Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. I hope you're all well and are excited for another episode. Um, this is actually the first of a mini-series of three episodes that I'm going to be recording and, and putting out to you guys. And joining me on these three episodes, I'm delighted to have Brett Knowles back from PM Squared Consulting. Welcome, Brett. Hey. Glad to be back here. I've been looking forward to the opportunity for another chat. Fantastic. Yeah, well, the other one went down really well. We couldn't, couldn't not get you back. Um, and we're, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more, more specific today, aren't we? Do you want to sort of introduce what it is we're going to be talking about? Sure. The Working with the OKRs is always an interesting challenge because many organizations begin to see this as an issue of change, changing the organization. Yeah. And we all know change is a tough thing to do. And as OKR experts, we need to be helping reduce the, the sharp parts of change and help people move forward in a more painless way. Now, in truth, I'm not sure OKRs are that much of a change. They're you know, refreshing, improving, making more effective things that already exist. Clients already have strategy. They already have things they need to get done. Uh, they already have activities. And OKRs really are just bottling those things together. But it doesn't change the fact that many people perceive as change, and therefore we need to be careful in how we help OKRs move forward. Now, right. some time ago, I came across a fellow by the name of BJ Fogg, who wrote a bunch of papers about how to better orchestrate change in organizations. He wasn't speaking specifically about OKRs, but I found it to be fairly applicable. So BJ's model basically says there are two key attributes. So think of a, an X, Y axis on a chart. And okay. on the, the vertical axis, think of motivation. So how motivated are you, your employees, the organization to move towards OKRs? Right. And the horizontal axis is ability. What are the skill sets that the organization has to go forward with OKRs? And if you think about that now as a, a two by two matrix, obviously the bottom left corner where I have low motivation and low ability, your OKR project's going to fail. Sure. The top right corner is where we've got high motivation and high ability. And obviously that's a sweet spot that makes change easy. So that part's interesting. Uh, so and hopefully that's what you're going to be telling us how to achieve then, Brett, over the next half an hour. Right. Um, but if you keep that whiteboard in your brain going in that two by two, there's kind of a, a concave line that goes from the top left to the bottom right. The top left being high motivation and the bottom right being high ability. And there's that curve defines success. If you're to the left of that curve, in other words, you've got too low motivation, too low ability, you fail. Mm -hmm. And above that line, you succeed. And the amount of energy that you as an OKR facilitator needs to insert depends on where you are on that grade, where the organization is on that gradient. So right. that's the model that we're going to explore over the next little while. So is it a spectrum then? Um, you could think of it as, as a spectrum. I'm not sure there's actual linear relationship between the two. We've done a bunch of research that indicates to us it's it's kind of a concave line. In other words, uh, it gets 
asymptotic towards a motivation uh, axis and also the ability axis. And the center part is, is not quite dead center of this, this uh, two by two. Okay, interesting. Okay. So you said that this, this BJ Fogg's behavior change model then, uh, it wasn't specifically designed for OKRs, right? You know, you're, you're applying your OKR expertise to this existing model. Is that right? That's correct. But it, uh, I wish I could say I was a genius, but it's a bloody obvious approach, right? We know sure. that it just makes common sense, right? If the organization is not motivated to OKRs, that's going to cause a problem. And if we don't have the competencies or ability, that also poses a problem. So it was a bit of a GBO, but it's an interesting framework that as we apply elements of OKR against motivation, it becomes very informative. Hmm. Okay. So presumably by, by moving to the, the top right of this, this model that you've painted for us there, then we're, we're really starting to look for a, a faster, cheaper, better, and I guess somewhat easier OKR solution for, for the guys facilitating an implementation. Correct. And uh, so that top right, high motivation, high ability, means that there aren't any roadblocks. You can go as fast as possible. Mm. And the trick, of course, in OKRs is to do so. If yep. you take uh, it's, I always describe it as a metaphor like uh, building a garden shed. Uh, to build a garden shed, you don't build one wall to perfection. So in the OKR world, I don't, I don't know, develop the strategy to perfection. In the, mm. in the shed metaphor, that's putting up the wall, putting up siding, putting up the plumbing, putting up draperies. That'd be a pretty nice garden shed. Anyways, instead, you build in all, all four walls roughly, and they yeah. kind of support each other, and then you go back and flesh them in. So if you're in that top right-hand corner, Go like stink. Get that OKRs in the organization as quickly as possible. Because we all know thinking longer about OKRs in a meeting room does not make them better. It's definitely like riding a bike. You've got to get out there and begin using them. So 100%. the you get OKRs in the business and they begin using them, the faster the learning cycles are, the more ownership there is, and of course, you get the benefits sooner. So that top right corner is super important to push towards. Okay. So we've got two axes then. We've got our motivation axis. We've got our ability access. Uh, presumably, those are the, are the two areas we need to start to talk about how we're going to shift our way along those axes. Right. Or, or more specifically, what does OKR-related motivation look like? Yep. What does OKR-related ability look like? So we can begin to almost score ourselves on how we're doing on those axes. Okay, so so let's start with motivation then, shall we? Talk, talk to us about that and what that means in terms of OKRs. Well, so in uh, broad categories on the motivation side, we have attractors and detractors. So attractors are things that encourage motivation and detractors are things that discourage motivation. So an example, uh, is if, for example, when one of your OKRs were to turn red, hmm. Leadership uses that as an excuse to come over and beat you up. <laughs> that's a detractor, right? That would encourage us never to report a red objective because that's going to uh, only result in, in further beatings and therefore not a good thing. Right. So whereas an attractor is something that would encourage you to use your OKR more. 
So in our vernacular, we always say that, you know, for example, green means tickety-boo fine. You're, you're yep. on target. Everything's yellow or, or amber means I'm off target, but I can achieve target with the resources you've given me. I don't need more money or people. I can do it. I just have to focus. Right. And red means send help. Red means I can't, I've tried all my Jedi Knight tricks. I just can't nail this puppy. I need help. I either need more resources so I can hit the numbers you want. And that resources might be dollars, people, subcontractors, who knows. Sure. Or I need leadership to change my target to one I can achieve with the resources they've given me. But it's a currently, I need help. And so right. I should be able to stand up in front of my team, raise my hand and say this, I'm sorry, team, I'll let you down. This is red. I need help. And the organization doesn't come over and beat me up, but rather comes over and figures out what they can do to help us move forward. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. We just did a bunch of OKRs in the Bank of Indonesia and in Bahasan, they now have an expression that says, if you're lonely, make your OKR turn red. Right. Right. Because what should happen is people should run over and Indonesians are delightful people and they support each yep. other immensely. Literally, imagine like hoisting up a red flag on your cubicle and a bunch of people flood over to see what they mm. can do to help. So mm -hmm. that's an attractor, right? Now I'm motivated to honestly report and even motivated to give myself a red because then people are going to come over and, and, and help out. Yeah. So motivators, detractors, attractors, and obviously, you know, each one detractor uh, offsets eight attractors. You know, I don't know what the formula is, but you know, lesson one is you got to be very careful in the OKR world that there isn't punishment associated with it. The categories of punishment we often see are obviously for red behavior. Mm -hmm. Often there's some implicit um, negative connotations if you can't nail your OKR from the outset. So somehow the other management figures that, you know, we've never planned at this level of detail but you should be meant some material and figure it out immediately. Right. We say to our clients, it actually takes about three quarters for you to iterate your OKRs and make them that high enough quality that leadership's expecting. But you can't turn it on and have it that way the next day. So another often demotivator is leadership being frustrated that we don't immediately have this awesome OKR solution. Right. Another detractor often is uh, literally the automation of the OKRs. If you think about it, OKRs very quickly get complicated. Let's say we have, we agree, I don't know, we only can have five OKRs each. I don't know why you do that, but you know, that's what the books say you're supposed to do. So the mm -hmm. CEO has five and let's say she has 10 direct reports. Each of them have five. Suddenly I'm at 50 mm -hmm. and each of those people also have, uh, 10 reports to them, all of a sudden I'm at 5,000. In other words, it's exponential how fast the OKRs grow. And if people are trying to maintain this on a spreadsheet or uh, post-it notes, or the wheels fall off this pretty darn quick. Yeah. So another detractor is we're trying to accelerate the pace of business, improve the accuracy of reporting, improve communication, and you can't do that with a, a cumbersome tool. So in our experience, there's, you know, you have no choice but to automate using, you know, one of the many cloud-based tools so yeah. that technology does not get in the way. So those are the three most common detractors. Right. The, and 
Go on, sorry, carry on. I was, no, as, as you know, if you don't cut me off, I'll keep rambling. I was going to go <laughs> for the detractors, but let, let's make sure we cover the detractors first. No, that, that, that's fine. I, I was going to ask how um, this interplays with, with internal and external motivators. Are they, are they similar or, or a completely different thing altogether? Well, I think we better make this a four podcast series. <laughs> so, uh, external motivators, of course, are things that come from the outside. The most common in OKR world, of course, is compensation. Now, sure. As you know, I know John Doerr quite well. We spend a lot of time together. Um, and he and I constantly wrestle with whether OKR should be as part of the performance conversation. And it's my contention that they should be. And I know that goes against what's written in John's book. And sneak preview, there's a new book coming out that that might tell you something different. But... Um, you know, the idea is this, you can't say to the organization, this OKR is super important, it links to strategy, it you know, contributes to success, but I'm not going to have that as part of my performance conversation. That's where the wheels fall off. Now, I'm choosing my words carefully. I'm saying that it's part of the conversation. It's not a formula-based component. So yeah. some compensation models say, you know, if the company makes this amount of net profit, we share, you know, 1% of it amongst the pool or something like that. Yeah. I can't do a mathematical formula with the OKRs, but it should be part of the conversation. You know, yeah. we know with aspirational objectives, you're not going to achieve 100. Mm -hmm. And if you achieve 70, that's awesome. But sometimes if you achieve 30, that's super awesome. Other yeah. times, if you only achieve 70, that's not so good. So yeah. it's, it's just contextual. Part, yeah. it informs the conversation. But it, so for the external motivators, I strongly believe the OKRs need to be part of the conversation. It, there's three other components. We can talk about that later, but that's, it should be linked. Internal is the super important part. Internal motivators are the things that motivate us internally. So I don't know, maybe you play sports, you sing in a choir, uh, you know, you play online games. You do those things, not because you're going to become a professional athlete or singer or online mm -hmm. gamer. You do it because you get intrinsically motivated. Now, my thinking on intrinsic motivations, largely based on Daniel Pink's book, Drive, plus a smattering of other things. So Daniel Pink right. says there's three intrinsic motivators for employees. I think there's five. And I think the five okay. intrinsic motivators that we need to provide, and OKRs are awesome at doing so, are, one, purpose. Employees need to understand their purpose. If an employee yeah. doesn't know what they're supposed to do, they cannot be motivated. So purpose is an incredibly important intrinsic motivator if i know my job is what's that completely agree completely agree yeah great yeah so if my job is to post invoices that's awesome that's my contribution i understand my purpose mm -hmm. mastery we need the ability to get better at our jobs and that's again intrinsically rewarding if you're playing online games mastery is about playing that level of the puzzle again and again and again until you're happy with with how you're performing so same thing at work we need the ability to get better at work Okay. The next one Daniel doesn't talk about, I think it's super important, which is progress. We need to give the employee feedback. And the brilliant thing of OKRs is that's what they do. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome if I could say, hey, um, you know, I post invoices and I earned 150 strategy points today and I only got 100 yesterday. What did I do differently today? 
and maybe I, I posted a multi-currency invoice or I did one with three different products on it or something. So that progress allows me that instant feedback. I don't need to wait for my quarter end performance conversation. I don't need to wait for the year end annual review. I can intrinsically reward myself. I can sit on the tube going home and take a look to see, did I make a gain on the field today? Yeah. So progress. Koan's a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs. It's there to help your teams achieve their objectives and key results, but also to get aligned and stay engaged with the OKR process. Shared spreadsheets just don't do that, and they simply don't allow you to scale and grow as a business. But with Koan, you can scale your OKRs across your entire organization, whilst keeping your teams motivated and moving as one unit in the right direction. Roger, what's one of your favorite features about Koan? So I particularly like the insights that it provides when teams are obviously putting in their information around uh, their OKR work. In particular, the confidence scoring that is designed into it, which I think is super, super important because that helps you see the issues before perhaps they arise. Uh, and you can work with those bottlenecks or, or, or hurdles that might be coming down your way before they actually before they actually hit you. Uh, and also, it, it, through the insights, it allows you to really track cross-functional goals, which is something that I know we're really passionate about, isn't it? Absolutely. You're using OKRs to leverage cross-functional working and smash through those silos. So, yeah, I would say it's 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 the insights which you get from. Uh, the uh, the tracking information which goes into uh, into Koan. Fourth is autonomy. You know, we need the ability to choose how we're going to solve that puzzle. So in online gaming, I can you know try solving whatever the next challenge is in many different ways till I figure it out. Or if I'm playing football, I can you know try deking left, I try deking right, I try to put a you know a curve on the ball. You know, I have the opportunity to autonomously try to solve the puzzle in real time. Sure. And then the fifth is socialization. We need to change performance conversations, OKR conversations from being these closed door private conversations between boss and employee to being open. I'm now in front of my team going, hey team, I let you down. I told you I was going to get this done. I didn't. I need help. No different than when if you're playing football, let's say you're playing defense, you know, I'm, I should be able to uh, in between period, be able to go, hey guys, I need some help. I've got a sore shin or I noticed they're really weak on the left. Maybe we can all focus on that side. How can we socialize performance and make it a risk-free conversation in the organization? So the motivation, the, the attractors tend to be more intrinsic than extrinsic and the intrinsic ones are purpose, mastery, progress, um, autonomy, and socialization. Okay. And all of those five are possible to achieve with OKRs? Uh, I would say they're the only way to achieve it in organizations, but I might be slightly biased in my thinking. <laughs> yeah, we both might be. <laughs> um, okay. So, so that's really interesting then. And, you know, I, I hope that the listeners have made a bit of a note of those five and are starting to think about how they can build those intrinsic motivators um, with, within the organization. Uh, and within their people, external motivators is a slightly different question, you know, as as you've raised. I think it's one of the biggest conversations around OKRs at the moment, how they're linked to reward and compensation. Um, but we've we've done whole separate podcasts on that, so we won't we won't get into that one. 
Um, is is there a logical, go on, go on. Uh, let's loop back and talk about those intrinsic motivators for a second, because okay. what you said is right, that you know you can reflect on what you might be able to do to accentuate those in your organization to help with your OKR implementation. But yeah. what about this exercise? What if you scored how you thought uh, people were against those five elements, just of intrinsic? So score how well pe people actually understand their purpose and score how well people actually have the opportunity for mastery, score how well we're giving them ongoing progress. Now, that would be interesting because that begins to allow you to plot where you are on the left axis. Okay. Now think about this. What if you separated your survey results from leadership versus middle management versus um, you know, the, the worker bees? Mm. What if you separated your results by product group? What if you separated your results by region or branch office? Mm -hmm. And what you begin to see in your brain is there are going to be several data points. And you're going to see, in some cases, maybe a split becomes leadership thinks everything is fine and workers don't. Or the East Coast thinks everything's fine and the West Coast not. Sure. But as, as change uh, artists, it's important for our listeners to understand that as you implement OKRs, it's not one ecosystem. There are different um, elements in your organization, and you need to be mindful of that as you move forward with your OKRs. Absolutely. Okay. So is, is, there, a, is there a logical sequence to building these, though, Brett? Well, uh, there's a, a larger game plan in terms of uh, improving motivation versus improving ability. Uh, so, uh, typically, we recommend that uh, if you're low on motivation and low on ability, solve the motivation issue first. Right, okay. Then solve the ability. In terms of solving the motivation itself, uh, again, our prescription tends to be biased towards OKRs, but what we need to do is try to figure out um, how to help people understand their purpose, how to help people see they have the opportunity for mastery, how to incorporate progress feedback without it being in a reprimanding way, mm -hmm. help people uh, have the authority and control at the point of variance so that they can be autonomous in their actions. And then finally, of course, uh, setting up an environment where we can openly talk about performance. Right. Now, to loop back to that middle one for a second, just to you know, give you another topic to, to pick at. Um, when I say uh, about autonomy, it's about having the authority and control at the point of variance. So just to explain that equation for a second, let's say, I don't know, you're, you're getting a cup of coffee at the local cafe and they give you their own coffee. Let's say you wanted it black and they end up giving it to you with uh, milk and sugar or something. So okay. that's the point of variance. That's where what was produced was different than what the customer wanted. Right. Now, the point of uh, control is who actually controls the manufacturing of that item. So if it was the person who gave it to you, they've got both the point of variance and control at the same location. But let's say with someone else, let's say down that, you know, there's a, a person behind the wall making the coffee. Now I have separation between the point of variance and the point of control. The third portion is authority. 
who is the authority to affect the change? So I complain about the coffee and the person behind the desk says, not a problem. I'll phone head office up to find out if I can give you a, a replacement. <laughs> right. right. So the point of authority in that example is a head office. So if the farther the point of variance, control and authority are, the less able we are to be successful in our jobs. So part of OKRs are to set up OKRs that help us consolidate the variance control and authority in the same place. The frequent framework to doing that are things like uh, role clarity frameworks like RACI, you know, R-A-C-I, or yeah. RASCI, or RAPID. What they allow us to do is to begin putting attributes of authority next to the OKR. So authority uh, in, the, in the RACI model, uh, R stands for responsible, A is for accountable, C is for consulted, and I is for informed. There can only be one A. There's only one person accountable for that process. Where we get conflict is where two people think they're the A. I think I own it. You think you own it. Now there's conflict between us because yep. I want to solve that problem before you get your hands on it and yep. vice versa. So this uh, intrinsic motivator of autonomy, I need clarity on RACI, who's responsible, accountable, consultant, informed, and what my job is so that I don't overstep my boundaries. And that reflects on organization design, the variance control and authority. And um, therefore, we need to begin bringing in those elements as we consider how we build OKRs in organizations. Okay, so it sounds to me like this is another reason to have um, individual accountability in terms of objective and key resort owners. Ah, okay, so we now need five sessions for this podcast. <laughs> so uh, the, the piece of thread you're pulling on there is, do I take OKRs down to the individual level? Again, no, that's not the thread I'm pulling. Okay, uh, tell me more. So um, what I'm asking is, do you, and, and I know what, what I do as an OKR consultant, but what do you do as an OKR consultant on this? Set individual owners for the objectives and key results. Now, they may uh, still sit at a team level or even a company level, um, but is there that individual accountability when, when you go through a setup? Absolutely, positively, every single time. Yeah. Now, the dilemma is we use words like owner, um, not as, as good as a word like uh, accountable. The, mm. I, the dilemma with the word owner is it implies that you own all portions of it. So I might be the owner of an OKR around customer satisfaction, but I don't own all the processes, right? There's, you know, sales processes, order fulfillment processes, delivery processes, customer support processes. I don't own them all, but someone has to be accountable to make sure those things work in harmony and work together to be effective. So yeah. many of the OKR packages, for example, describe that as ownership. If mm. you think about it as accountability, or sometimes we even call it a reporter. So think of a, a newspaper reporter. They don't know what's going on in your business or your, your company, but they know enough about the business uh, and enough about your company that they know who to call. They can do their research and give you an informed analysis of what's going on. So what if we had people that were accountable or reporters that, so that is what you need one single person associated with each objective. Yep. Now, 
if you think about it, and this is kind of John Doerr's model, let's say I have an objective like customer satisfaction and Lawrence owns it. Mm-hmm. Now to get there as measured by, I might have four or five key results. So one key result might be, uh, I know on-time delivery is an attribute of customer satisfaction. So I put in a key result, right? You know, the key results are yep. as measured by, what would I have more of or less of? Mm-hmm. I'd have more on-time shipments. So that key result is gonna have a different owner. That's going to be Betty over in operations. Yep. Another attribute of customer satisfaction might be quality. Well, that's a different key result measured by number of complaints or something, and that's owned by Asmir. Mm-hmm. And then a third attribute might be uh, timeliness, like how long it takes between order and receipt, and yep. that's owned by someone else. So each key result has a different owner. Now, it yep. turns out Lawrence, the owner of customer sat is accountable to make sure each of those other key results or those other players are doing what they do in a line format and so on. So Mm. each of those elements has an owner and there's almost a a parent-child relationship. Yeah, I I completely agree. And and as the objective owner in that organization, you know, I suppose this is where I can start to influence one of the other intrinsic motivators that that we talked about, your, your fifth one of social interaction. So, you know, as the objective owner, I can start to encourage the social interaction between those key result owners as well uh, and, and their teams to, to make sure that motivation is happening internally. Absolutely. In fact, the cheat on that is once I figure out what the key results are, I now know what the cross-functional team is I know to mm-hmm. ensure success. So I don't need to rely on human resources or the organization chart to tell me. The key results will tell me what that natural work team is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so is there anything else that you think we need to know then, Brett, about how these motivators, um, whether intrinsic or, or uh, extrinsic, link to OKRs and you know the things that listeners can be starting to put into place to help? Well, I think you've, you've got the concept. It's mm. a bit like, uh, I don't know, playing golf. We all understand the concept of golf, but it takes a million swings to actually get that game sussed out. Tell me about and- it. And, and yeah, exactly. But there's also <laughs> course management, right? So, you know, I'll end up on a course one day and I know my shoulders are stiff. I just, there's no possible way I can go over the water. Today, I have to go around it. Right. So, you know, I put my wood away and get out my driver and recognize it's going to take two hits, but at least the ball will be dry by the time I get to the other side. The same with your intrinsic motivators, right? It's, it's a journey and you have to build it around whatever the starting point is of your organization. But Mm -hmm. again, the cheat here is if your organization is low on motivation and low on ability, work on the motivation first. Um, And part of that, and that kind of is a segue perhaps to the next podcast, but the the issue is this. If you have all the ability in the world but no motivation, you're still not going to move. But if you have high motivation and low ability, you can actually still play the game. And I'm not yeah. really talking about my golf game, but it turns out the metaphor works, right? I can be highly motivated <laughs> to play yeah. golf. I have low ability. I'm going to go play golf. But yeah. I have great ability and no motivation. I'm going to stay home and watch the telly. So, 100%. Yeah, so play motivation, solve the motivation thing first. You, know, you don't have to get to like Jedi Knight level of motivation, but I, I do need... I have to get above that that line, that concave line I was describing. Yeah. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how much ability you put in place, you're still going to fail. 
100 percent that's that's fantastic brett thank you so much i think that's a great place to leave it because as you say on the next podcast we're, we're going to move on to ability um and you know which is is the other the other axis we've been talking about and start to think about what we can do to move the needle there um, well let's hope that we've got your listeners motivated so that they want to learn about ability yeah it'll be interesting to see what the stats say there isn't it it's going to be upsetting if it all drops off uh, well, it was it was trying to be one of those clever. Did you see what I did there? Things, right? If we if if no. this has worked and people are now motivated, they'll be encouraged to take the next step of developing their abilities. Exactly. Right. Fantastic, Brett. Thank you so much for chatting to us, um, and uh, we'll we'll speak to you again next week. And as usual, thank you to to all the listeners for checking in. Really hope you come back to to listen to the next podcast with Brett uh, on on ability. And uh, until then, have a great week and we'll speak to you next time. Great. Thanks, Lawrence. Talk to you soon.